Oh yeah. So I need to record this session. So I uh, just press record and we'll, we'll uh, make a playback uh, link available for other people that want to see it. Uh, or if you want to see it again, you can do that. So again, Michelangelo Caruso, welcome to Present Like a Pro, Five Steps to Amazing Presentations. This masterclass is for leaders and salespeople whose presentations are critical to earning a living, selling, or even keeping your job. If you must communicate effectively, then this program is for you. You're going to be very happy with this content. Um, so I realize there, there are many reasons that people want to give effective presentations. And, uh, you know, some people want to give electric presentations so they can advance their careers. Some people want to overcome shyness. Um, you know, and type that into the box if that's true for you. Um, whichever one feels right to you, that you just want to be electric. Just type the word electric. If you are um, um, a shy person by nature and you're being forced into this arena, type that you're shy, both uh, for Chaz, great. Um, you know, being uh, aware of your strengths and weaknesses and having clarity on it is really important to solving the problem. So don't be shy about admitting that you've got a little bit of an Achilles heel that you want to work on. Scott says electric <laughs> and electric. <laughs> and we also know that um, there are many people that just want to become better speakers without having to join huge speaker associations uh, for months or even years. There are people that pay a lot of money to learn how to become a good speaker. I don't think that's necessary. When I teach people how to do this, I don't have them spend months and months and months or years in you know speaking therapy trying to figure this out uh, we can get you what you need very very quickly now of course it's on you to uh, to do the to do the work but i don't think you have to be an understudy or, uh, or go to school for this for four years to learn how to do it well we know that some people want to convert their blog talks into effective remarkable showcases so that they can be better leaders and sell more and I'm thinking of commissioned salespeople whose quality of life is very closely linked to the quality of their presentations. Think about this. If you're a commissioned salesperson, <laughs> if you're a commission, you don't need to think about this. You know it's true. If you're a commissioned salesperson, your um, quality of life, the kind of food you buy, uh, the number of weeks vacation you can take, the, whether your kids go to quality schools, like private schools or not, uh, or, or even quality public schools is very important. So uh, some people are commissioned salespeople and the quality of their presentations is very closely linked to the quality of their, of their, uh, of their presentations, the quality of life linked to quality of presentations. And I haven't met a person yet who doesn't like to get raises, promotions, and the good kind of attention from the boss. You, you know the difference between good attention and bad attention from the boss, don't you? So in the next 45 minutes or so, we're going to talk about how to stop wasting your time, energy, and resources on the drudgery of presentations, and how to convert your talks into efficient, effective, and entertaining platforms for helping others. And I'm going to help you do this even if you hate speaking, have limited experience, or struggle with nerves and anxiety. You know, a lot of people struggle with what I call the negative emotions that are associated with speaking. We'll get into that in just a second. We're also going to cover how to respectfully command attention, establish yourself as a recognized expert and trusted authority, 
all without a PhD, a master's, or even a college degree. Like I said, you don't have to go to school to get a degree in speaking to be amazing at it. We're going to show you how to use your newfound speaking expertise to get more promotions, earn more in sales commissions, and open doors to other life-changing opportunities. I marvel at how many times the ability to, to give a good presentation has changed the direction of my life in a positive way, right? I'm going on a, quote, vacation. I'm, I'm leaving for a month in a bit, right? A month-long vacation. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of doing this, but it, as Ferris Bueller said, if you have the means, I highly recommend it. So I'm going on vacation for a month, but I know I'm going to be jonesing to do what I really love to do, which is help people and be in front of people and do presentations. So I sent out a quick email to Florida, South Florida in particular is where I'm going, and I said, hey, I'm coming down, I'm available to give some talks if you're interested, and I ended up scoring four presentations to uh, 100 people each in those presentations. Now, some of you will say, this man's crazy, he's got a chance for a month-long vacation, and, and maybe you're right. I just know that I love to present, and I love being in front of people, and I'm going to be jonesing. A month away from work makes me nervous. I don't, I'm, I've always been a very strong work ethic. And so that's just an easy example of how um, being able to give a, have a reputation for giving a strong presentation can improve aspects of your life. That's just one example. So I think that you can do everything that we've talked about so far, even if you struggled with any aspect of presenting in the past. And I'm going to help you with that today. We call it a breakthrough call because you're going to get a breakthrough today. And I think this will be the best 45 minutes you've ever spent on your career. I promise. I'm going to show you a step-by-step -step strategy for creating and delivering powerful presentations that improve your team, serve others, and get you noticed. Now, before we get going, I need you to understand a few things because the precursor here is what's important. Uh, some of you that track me know I give a, a keynote speech called How to Engage Anyone in 15 Seconds. Uh, but I make no bones about the fact that it's what you do before the 15 seconds that kind of, that, that makes it happen, right? So you got to be, you got to be in the right frame of mind for this. Mindset is always very important. So before we get going, uh, I want you to write down a couple of things. So in order for this content to work, the number one thing I want you to write down, this is like a preamble, right? Prerequisite is that you must know your stuff. If you're not good at what you do, I cannot teach you to be a better presenter. You've got to be good at it. So some of you that are selling products and services, you've got to know the product knowledge. You've got to understand how your service actually works, right? And that leads us uh, to this uh, little catchphrase that I use, no fake spurts, F-A-K-E-S-P-E-R-T-S, -E no fake spurts. Whether you're leading a team or selling or whatever, you must know your business in order to be an amazing presenter. All right, so uh, Virginia says, I feel you. I'm working on uh, building my business to live the lifestyle I want, and I love speaking. Virginia, I feel you too. Here's how this works, guys. When you get really good at speaking, you're going to discover that it's more than just a job. It's an opportunity that opens other doorways. And uh, I hope if, if you want to retire from the job that you're at right now, I hope you get to do that. But I promise you, if you get a reputation for being an amazing speaker, somebody who can mobilize teams and get people to take action, other opportunities are going to open for you if you know what I mean, right? So that means you stay at your job and you 
get promoted that much faster. Or if your job doesn't work out, and I hope that it does, but if it doesn't, you'll be able to do other things with your life. Some of you will stay at your jobs and develop another revenue stream, and your job will beg you to stay because you're so good at it. And they'll allow that other revenue stream in a lot of cases. Some of you will decide you want to write a book. And if you write a book, you're later in life, in the next five years, next year, right? If you write a book, you're going to have to go tell people about it and pitch it, right? So there'll be a book tour in your future or whatever. And so we want you to be really good at it if that is meant to be for you. So the second thing I want to share with you before we get started is that these, the extraordinary client results that I'm going to tell you about in a minute are not guaranteed for you, right? And this sounds like, uh, this sounds like legalese, right? In, in a way it is. But I just want you to know what's possible, right? It's possible for you. I just can't guarantee it. Most of my successful clients work their asses off. They work really hard, guys. And so uh, you don't learn this stuff just by osmosis. You actually have to apply the information. You have to adjust. You have to set up what Seth Godin calls fast feedback loops. And then you have to adjust to make sure that you're getting the success that you need. You have to follow my instructions to the letter. I'm going to give you the success formula. It's up to you to follow it. If you decide to follow it, success will come very quickly, much quicker than it would have come otherwise. If you decide to deviate from my paint-by-numbers formula, I can't promise you anything, right? You're just a freelancer. You're just, you just love freestyle, and that's good. I like people who do freestyle. But you're, you know, you're not going to get the results that I'm talking about if you freestyle. I'm just telling you. Remember this, only one person is responsible for your success in life, and that's you, baby. Not your sales manager, not your boss. Your boss tells you, I love you, I care about you. And they absolutely do, in most cases. But they are not responsible for your success. You are. And the third thing, so the first thing was no fake spurt. Second thing is the, these extraordinary results I'm about to tell you about are not guaranteed. They're just possible, and they're possible for you. Number three, Effective presentations are persuasion. They're persuasive, right? And persuasion is power. Make no mistake about this. So you'll need to take the Michelangelo Caruso pledge. Would you please raise your right hand and repeat after me? I'm waiting. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the pledge. Uh, I promise, I promise, never to use my powers for evil. Never to use my powers for evil. That's it. That's the pledge. All right. Now, listen, before we get into all the good stuff, I just want to take a minute and see where your head's at. So number one, does your career depend on your ability to present effectively? Type Y or N. Does your career depend on your ability to present effectively? All right. Mostly wise, cool. Do you struggle with writer's block when creating presentations and worry that people think your content is dog food? A lot of us aren't in control of our own content. And so we worry sometimes. Our boss tells us that we have to use PowerPoint. We have to present in a certain way. Again, a lot of whys coming through, a lot of yeses. A lot of people tell me they work in an industry where it can be challenging to make presentations interesting. A partner in an accounting firm recently told me that his subject matter is drier than the paper that it's printed on, right? 
And so a government lobbyist literally cringed as he described his area of expertise to me. So sometimes we swim in this very dry water and it's a challenge to make that content interesting. I promise you, you can make that content interesting, but you've got to get past the mindset that it can't be done. Mindset, again, very important. Virginia says, I try to share stories and examples and not read from the slides. Absolutely. Reading from slides is not only rude to your audience, it's insulting to the audience when you read to them. And if you're, you know, and you either have to wait for them to read it or you have to read it to them. And either way, your presentation is tanked. I'm going to talk about that in a second and how to get around that. Do you lie awake? Back to Y's and N's. Do you lie awake the night before your presentation, fearing that failure will cost you your job? Sounds dramatic, but a lot of people have this type of feeling that if they don't start performing soon, their boss is going to let them go. And mostly ends on that one. Okay, I'm glad you're not swimming in that water, everybody. The months before presenting, months and moments before presenting can be unsettling, disorienting, and even terrifying. Just last week, a lady told me that she had had to speak to her board of directors. So it was an internal presentation to people on her team, right? Friendly people. And she spent the 20 minutes prior to her presentation retching in the bathroom. I just felt so bad for her. And her board meetings are monthly. Um, So are your talks dry and lifeless by anyone's definition? So bad that even you get bored during your presentation. Because guess what? If you're bored, there's a good chance people in your audience are bored. And that would affect your closing ratio, right? Yes or no? Type it into the box. Does your audience stare at you like hostages waiting to be released? (laughs) They not only don't laugh or smile when they're supposed to, most of them don't even acknowledge you. And uh, what's interesting, if you've ever watched a video of yourself presenting, is to watch a video of your audience watching you present. And pay attention to engagement. That is fascinating. Scott says uh, he doesn't experience it, but he's been in an audience where he experienced it. Do you have trouble making an impression when presenting, especially to judgmental bosses and prospects? Do you have problems presenting to judgmental bosses and prospects? A lot of people that I talk to, people that uh, I work with, tell me they're okay with presenting to everybody except their boss. Something about speaking to their boss or up, up, up the org chart sends them into butterflies uh, and nervousness and just anxiety. And I can help you with that. But first, we need to get clarity on the exact problem. Mostly ends coming from you. Good. Have you ever been bypassed for promotions or other work opportunities because you're not getting noticed? Ever. Has this ever happened? Y or N? And then finally, are you tired of less talented people getting better feedback on their presentations than you do on yours? What I'm talking about now is you're on a sales team and you're probably a better salesperson than this other guy, but this other guy is closing more business than you are. What's up with that? I mean, you find this guy to be terribly annoying, but he's making more money than you. That's an interesting scenario. Again, a mix of whys and ends coming in. This is the complicated situation sometimes when we're trying to figure out exactly what's keeping you stuck in your presentations. So it's a terrible feeling uh, when you've got something important riding on a presentation and nothing happens as a result. I mean, forget about getting a bite. You don't even get a nibble. Epic fail, right? 
And now you have to go back to the office and explain it to your boss and the rest of the team. It's a terrible feeling to be powerless. And I know this feeling because I did commission sales for a long time. And there were many stretches where I just, I'm scratching my head. I'm the same person I was six months ago. I'm selling the same thing I sold six months ago. What changed? What shifted, right? So if any of the things I've talked about sound like you, if you've typed a Y at any point during this program, I have great news. None of the things that we just talked about are your real problem. None of them. They are just symptoms of the real problem, right? The real problem is that you haven't made what I call the five shifts. Write that down, the five shifts. And we're going to talk about what those are in just a second. But right now, know this. Once you make those shifts, you'll be able to create and deliver powerful, persuasive presentations every single time you speak. You will never be off. Somebody asked me one time, I was doing a newspaper interview because I've written some books and stuff like this. And because I, you know, if I come in from out of town, the, the papers want to interview me sometimes. And uh, it was either a radio interview or a newspaper interview. And the guy goes, it's a great question. He says, Michael, uh, you've given over 2,000 paid presentations. It was actually his radio voice. Michael, you've given 2,000 presentations all over the world. Have you ever had a bad presentation? And I looked at him and I go, no, but I've had some bad audiences. And the truth is, you know, sometimes you have a bad presentation. But what happens is when you dial it in, you'll have a lot less, few, uh, a lot less presentations that are, that are uh, uh, on you, right? Bad presentations. You'll also... Um, uh, your speaking will no longer be luck or happenstance. It will be like a formula. Remember earlier I mentioned the phrase paint by numbers. It'll be a formula or recipe that turns out good every time. For those of you that cook, type Y into the box. Because if you cook, you know that you, you have guidelines for cooking, right? And you have a sense or a rhythm or you're intuitive about it. You understand that if you basically do the same thing every time, it's going to turn out good every time. A lot of cooks on the call today, great. You'll also become a recognized expert. Write those two words down. That, that's a magical thing when that happens. When you become known as a recognized expert in your industry, a person known for providing massive value to your audience, more people show up to your, to your presentations, fewer people cancel your presentations. Your closing ratio skyrockets, right? And of course, you start courting more opportunities to speak, which is fantastic. Once you make these shifts, you'll speak with ease, confidence, and power. I don't know if you actually have ever experienced confidence and power. My experience is that a lot of people think they have. And then I show them what it's really like, and they go, man, I only had confidence with a small C. You showed me confidence with a big C. Or power with a small P. You showed me power with a big P. We never, write this down, we don't know what we don't know. It's one of the challenges. You know, most people don't know what kind of headroom they have here in terms of improvement. So all the, all the difficult things about speaking melt away when you have this formula that I'm going to give you in just a minute. And finally, the eyes of your audience will light up when you start to speak. Coworkers will pat you on the back after you're done speaking, and your boss will want to know how you got so good so fast, right? So the negative feelings that we talked about earlier, the intimidation, the embarrassment, the lack of influence will melt away and be replaced by positive feelings of being comfortable and confident. 
And you'll be able to do all of this as you tap back into the natural enthusiasm that got you into this business in the first place. You signed up at your company because you thought you would be able to help a lot of people by persuading them to take a certain path or by uh, hopefully persuading them to buy your product or service, right? And, uh, and you'll be able to do all of this because you're more natural. Now, being natural is important. I want you to write down a little time frame. I want you to write left to right, and I want you to write that when you're not feeling yourself on the left side of the page, you are not natural, right? And then an arrow to the right. When you're not natural, you're not authentic. And then another arrow. When you're not authentic, you're not believable. Do you understand how this works? And if you're in another arrow, if you're not believable, you can't close. There's something about your presentation that's not believable, authentic, or natural. And, and I'll show you a quick example of this, guys. I'd like to have a dollar every time I've been in an audience and somebody got on stage to speak and they said, uh, watch my face now, right? They said, uh, hey, everybody, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And you see what just happened? I lied to you already. In the first five seconds, first three seconds of my talk, I was not natural to you. I said one thing and I did another. Watch again, see if you can catch it. Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Did you catch it? Type it in if you think you know what. It's called a tell, T-E-L-L. -L. What was the tell just now? That's exactly right, Virginia. There was no smile. Yvonne got it. Exactly. Stephen, beautiful. And so I told you it was a pleasure to be with you, but I didn't show it. And, I've, and, and subconsciously, what the audience says is, all right, you know, they might not even consciously register that you didn't smile. But later, when you ask them to sign a PO, you know, release a PO, or sign a document, or do business with you, they go, I don't know, it just didn't feel quite right. I don't quite trust her. I don't really know what it was, right? So it, I, what I showed you, and Scott's right, is that it's not a pleasure, and I'm not believable. And I'm literally, guys, I'm literally working against myself in the very first three seconds of my own presentation. And I see this over and over and over again with clients. And I help them fix it. So it's important that you're natural, believable, authentic. And then what happens is people say, yeah, I'll sign up for whatever you've got, right? Now, I need to know a little bit more. Uh, speaking 101, you need to know about your audience. Know your audience. Uh, would you give me a quick Y or an N? Have you heard of me before? Do you know anything about me? Y or N? Yes or no? And I'm imagining we're going to get some no's, so I'm going to give you a quick, somebody says, but of course. <laughs> okay, so a couple of no's. Let me uh, improperly introduce myself so you understand a little bit more about where I'm coming from and, and why you should listen to me. My name is Michelangelo Caruso. I'm known as the speaker's speaker, everybody. I've trained thousands of people all over the world to be better speakers and presenters, how to become elite presenters recognized experts and grow their incomes. It's what I do for a living now, right? I teach presentation skills, four words. I teach presentation skills. If you can't tell everybody what you can do in four words, your value proposition's lacking, right? Four words, try to get it to four words. I'm an internationally recognized author on the subject of presenting. I've spoken in five continents and 49 of the 50 states. Hawaii. <laughs> Maybe the trouble of typing it. I have not spoken in Hawaii. 
Um, I never charge less than $10,000 plus expenses for a keynote speech, and I'm often flown around the world uh, to do it. Um, so shortly I'll be flying to uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, a little bit ago, I was in, I was in England five times in, in 18 months, uh, a little bit back. And, and get this, this is very unusual for a professional speaker. I really enjoy helping other people become better speakers. Most presenters are not sharing, you know, the secret sauce. They think of you as competition. They don't want you to steal their content and stuff, right? But I'm very comfortable in my content. I know that people don't hire me as much for my content as they do for my delivery. My delivery is very specialized. I do things that no other speaker does. And uh, you can't copy me. I'm authentic. I'm one of a kind, right? I'm a category of one, baby. And I'll teach you to be the same thing because when you're a category of one, people pay a premium price for your products and services. You become not only more employable uh, when you're a category of one, you become less replaceable. And what does that do to your salary negotiation when it comes around, you see? So all of this is about taking your game to a higher level and getting uh, rewarded for it. It's not all about money. There's a lot of rewards coming your way that are not money related. But if you, if you think money is important to giving, having a good quality of life, money's there for you. So I specialize, I specialize in helping people deliver compelling presentations that build careers. So I've been doing this for a long time. I've met thousands of speakers. And while some master the art of presentation, most people fall far short of their potential. They waste tons of time and they continually embarrass themselves. Again, capital E and small e. Most of the time when you embarrass yourself, no one will tell you. They just don't buy into what you're, what you're selling, what you're persuading them on, right? So for the better part of two decades, I've watched and learned what makes presenters successful. I've carefully identified the winning characteristics of top speakers and incorporated these characteristics into my presentations. And here's my favorite part. Then I started teaching people like you to do this. Again, there are five shifts that you need to make to develop elite presentation skills and deliver knockout presentations and become more valuable to your company. And I'm going to walk you through all five of these shifts starting right now. And then if we can talk afterwards, if there's something else I can do for you, we can cover that as well. So shift number one, got your pen? Shift number one, here we go, is that we are from now on, starting today everybody, we're gonna make excellence a personal standard. We're going to make excellent a personal standard. This will be a big shift for most of you because I see a lot of average presentations out there. A lot of people are winging it, ladies and gentlemen. And you're getting by on doing average talks. And one of the reasons you're getting by on it is because everybody else on your team does average talks too. So by comparison, you're right in with the rest of the performers, you know. But when you have excellence as your standard, you become the outlier and everyone will be comparing their standard to you, right? Remember that statistically speaking, most speakers are average. So it, uh, uh, the kiss of death when presenting is to not be able to differentiate your product, your service, or yourself. Write that down. The key to being different and special 
is this ability to differentiate, right? There is no doubt another credit union in your space that's offering competitive rates. There is no doubt another IT company that's doing the same thing that you do basically at similar rates. If you charge by the hour, you know, if you're, if you're $80 an hour, there's another company that's doing $82 an hour, right? It's all in the same space. And I think uh, that if you change your value proposition and how you approach this, a lot of other things can go your way. So it's actually easier to achieve excellence than it is to be average. It's easier. But you must learn to focus exclusively on success and not on distractions. Most of us in life are extremely distracted, easily distracted. Oh, look, there's a squirrel. <laughs> so I want you to think of this moving forward as having both a to-do list, right? And a not to-do list. You've got to stop doing some things that you're doing now in order to make excellence your standard. So a lot of people are on uh, from locally here because the two sponsoring chambers are local to the Detroit area. And uh, when I'm traveling, I always tell people I'm from Detroit. It gets a much better reaction than it used to, by the way. So Detroit is comeback city, right? And I tell people I'm from Detroit, Michigan, home of the great Bob Seger. And Bob Seger has a song called Against the Wind. And in the song, Bob sings about what to leave in and what to leave out. You know the song? He sings, uh, oh, those drifter days are past me now. I've got so much more to think about. Deadlines and commitments. What to leave in, what to leave out right? I'm not a huge Bob Seger fan. I don't own any of his albums, but I love that couplet. Deadlines and commitments, what to leave in, what to leave out. And when you do that, when you put your presentation together, presentation starts coming into line, man. It's like when you're learning to drive and the instructor teaches you not to focus on oncoming traffic. Can you remember back when you were 15 or 16? And you're like, oh my God, that car's coming right at me, right? And you want to steer off the side of the road. Well, if you can, if you don't, even now, if you focus on the headlights of oncoming cars, you're in trouble. You have to learn to not focus on that. So there are a lot of good people out there presenting, uh, including your, your competition. And if you want to stand out, good, as Jim Collins once said, is not good enough. That comes from the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Good is not good enough. Being an outlier is a good thing. Uh, often it is, Scott. Sometimes being an outlier is not a good thing. When Malcolm Gladwell wrote his book, Outliers, I think almost in every case, he was talking about the Beatles, Bill Gates, uh, being an outlier was a good thing, absolutely. So it's time to make excellence your personal standard, and it's time to say goodbye to mediocrity. Do I have your pledge? So I want you to one, be the best in your area of expertise and have everything in your behavior reflect that. And two, I want you to fully commit to helping other people solve problems. Listen to me, but I, listen to me carefully. I want you to fully commit to helping other people solve their problems. You see, the excellence that we're talking about here isn't for you, it's for everyone else, the people you serve. Let me explain what I mean. Stay with me now. There's a psychological axiom. There's a lot of psychology in presentation training, in sales training, which I do a lot of, a lot of psychology in it. And the psycholog psychological axiom known as egocentrism, right? 
means that as a presenter, it's somewhat natural to think of your presentation as the center of everything, right? But it isn't, right? Um, your presentation isn't about you, even though we call it your presentation. I'll work with that one for a minute. Your presentation isn't about you, even though it's called your presentation. You, you refer to it as your presentation, my, my presentation, right? Uh, you're the speaker. It's your slideshow, your information, your offer, right? This is how we say it. If I'm a presenter, I'll say to people, hey, I have a great presentation to show you. Can I come show you my presentation, tell you about my company, tell you about my products and services? You see? And it's backwards, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about me at all. It's about you. And I've got to reframe this if I want to be successful as a presenter. Okay. So shift number one, make excellence your personal standard. Shift number two is to place a premium value on your time and expertise. Place a premium value on your time and expertise. This seems like a good idea, right? In fact, some people are saying, again, but of course. <laughs> Who doesn't do that? And yet most presenters fail to do this. Statistically speaking, a lot of people on this call are forgetting to do that. Let's look at some reasons why, so I can help point you in the right direction on this very important second shift. Look, everyone's different, but if you think that you don't have much influence as a presenter, right? You probably feel that your job is mostly to convey information. I've heard people end their presentation by saying, okay, that's my presentation. I just wanted to make sure you had this information, right? You've already demeaned your own presentation. You've already not claimed the, the power and authority of your own time and expertise right? Premium time on your time and expertise, Scott. Uh, we also know that if you, um, that you might have the opposite problem. Maybe you put too much confidence in your presentation ability. Maybe you're convinced, you've convinced yourself that you're so good at presenting that, uh, that you think everyone's interested in what you're doing. You're so good that you can convert anyone that you present to. I've actually started sales training with clients and I say, what's your closing ratio? And the, and the guy actually says to me, well, I close just about everybody I get in front of. And, that, and that's how I know I'm going to have a lot of work to do. There's no way that that ever happens. Right? Um, so Pat, Patrick Mosh says guilty. Guilty of what? Tell me more, Patrick. I'm interested. I've been talking fast here. And if I'm going too fast, everybody, just tell me and I'll slow down a bit. Um, so you can improve either of these situations. You either think too much of yourself or you don't think enough of yourself. You can improve either of these situations by placing a premium value on your time and expertise. I'm gonna tell you how to do this. Your presentation is supposed to help improve the situation of the people you present to, correct? Yes. And since you're the expert, your job is to compel them, your audience, to take action on your counsel. But a lot of you, you know, you don't have the steering wheel. You don't grab the steering wheel by 10 and 2. Some of you are actually in the passenger seat holding the steering wheel like this, you know. And I, I, I need you to grab the wheel, man. So if you've ever been in my audience, you know how quickly I just take you in and I help you feel comfortable and I'm in control. 
Now, some of you would argue that a good sales presentation is the delusion of control, that you actually make the prospect feel that they're in control of the presentation. And, and I, I will give you that. But I think you have, to, you have to really know where you're going so that you can steer the ship to the end of the presentation. I'll give you an example. I've actually done ride-alongs with uh, speakers and salespeople, right, as part of my consulting gig. And when I do this, uh, the salesperson gets to the end of the presentation or gets, we get to the end of our time slot and the prospect, the person that we've come to see says, well, we're out of time. Uh, uh, what, else, what else do you have for me? And the prospect ends the presentation, ends the sales call. And that's how you know you've lost control of your own call. You had an hour and you didn't even close by the end of the hour. You're still yapping. You're still on slide 23 of your 56 slide PowerPoint. You see? And the guy that you came to talk to says, we're out of time. So we often underestimate or overestimate our own abilities. So to put it simply, the people we're speaking to have a problem and you're supposed to have the solution. That's why you're presenting to them and they should act on the solution, right? So to have this happen more often, you wanna focus on presenting. This is really, really important, please write it down. You wanna focus on presenting only to people who are ready to hear what you have to say. Only present to people who are ready to hear what you have to say. I'll give you two examples, internal and external, like a sales example, right? So internally, you get everybody together and you present, you present to them. But because what you're presenting to them is very complicated and there's a lot of jargon and terminology, they don't understand it. And then you'll ask them to buy in and they say, yeah, I buy in, but only because you're the boss. Excuse me, you're the boss and you kind of made them say yes. But they weren't ready for your message. You didn't seed it properly, S-E-E-D. The second example is the sales example, right? So you go to give the solution and they took a meeting with you just because they don't have much to do. You drove all the way across town to present to them and they were not pre-qualified to buy from you, right? They had no idea what your thing costs. And so you finish and you say, it costs this and you go, oh, we don't have that kind of money. And then you kind of leave, you walk out with your tail between your legs, and on your way back to the office, you're, you're saying to yourself, what a waste of my time that was. Why did I drive all the way across town? Think about this now. You spent an hour driving there. You spent an hour presenting. You spent an hour driving home. That's three hours. That's a half a day in business. You spent a half a day with one prospect who wasn't even a prospect. You see the problem? So we need to, in order to harness the true value of our presentations, we must stop presenting to people who aren't ready for our message. In sales, we call that a pre-qual or the pre-qualification. If the people are not pre-qualified, we don't do it. Uh, in an example from my business, when people call me and they want to take me to lunch or want, want me to go to lunch with them to meet with them, if they don't answer a couple of key questions for me, like as prospects, right? If they can't answer a couple of key questions, it's not lunch at all. It's a phone call. And sometimes it's not even a phone call. Like they'll say, well, we're thinking about hiring you. Can I take you to lunch and pick your brain? It's an interesting phrase, by the way. I'm not sure what I get out of having my brain picked. <laughs> 
like an old, it's like an old aphorism. No young people use that aphorism. You know, it's, not, it's like to kill two birds with one stone. What? You know, doesn't make any sense anymore. So they'll say, Can, what they're saying to me is, uh, how about if you drive an hour across town, we, we sit for an hour lunch, and then you drive an hour back under the premise that I might be a, a client of yours. And I'm like, well, I'm okay with that, but let's first find out if you even have enough money to pay me. Another one of my favorites, they say, well, we have the money to pay you, Michael, for your presentation, uh, and our event is on June 13th. And I got my phone with me, and I check my calendar, and I'm, I'm not available on June 13th. And again, I drive home thinking, what did I take a meeting with these people for? Uh, stupid, stupid, stupid. I didn't even check to see if, if you know, what date their, their, their meeting was. And they can't reschedule. So when you're presenting to the wrong people, listen to me carefully now, when you're presenting to the wrong people, you are certainly wasting their time, but perhaps more importantly, you're wasting your own time. Because if you do this three times a week, for example, you only wasted their time once, but you wasted your own time on three separate occasions. And you're doing this every week for 50 weeks a year. You see the problem? Money is an opportunity and time. You're selling your time if you're in sales. It's flying out the window, everybody. So to place a premium value on your time and expertise, you've got to rock your presentation. So I meet a lot of people who are on what I call the hamster wheel. They're, giving their, they're out there giving their presentations all the time, right? I'm talking about people that may have been taught that the number of presentations that they give is directly proportionate to their payday, right, or commission check. Some sales managers actually reward sellers based on the number of presentations they give, not on how much business they close, but on the number of presentations that they give. So what do you think the, the salesperson does? <laughs> Gets on the hamster wheel. I gotta give three presentations today. I'll give another three tomorrow. And, and who are they giving them to? Anyone that will say yes. They're presenting all the time and not producing. See, being busy is different than being productive. A hummingbird flaps its wings, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times a second. But it's not, very, it's not any more productive than a regular bird. You with me? So if you uh, haven't placed a high value on your time and expertise, it might be because you've been brainwashed to think that uh, you have to do a high vo volume of presentations and be super busy all the time so that you speak to enough people to keep your job and get paid. I mean, how long can you keep that up? I've heard tons of stories of people driving all the way across town, back again, right? Uh, only, only to, and, and, and even in difficult weather, only to have the meeting canceled, right? Again, what kind of value do other people place on your presentations? Uh, I have a, a client and enroll in my Present Like a Pro speaking course, training course. And uh, he told me that he's often promised, he pitches insurance at companies, right? So they set him up in the break room. And uh, he's often promised 30 minutes, but then when he gets there, he's told he only has 15. Now, why do they do this to him? And does that ever happen to you? You're promised a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden you have less time. Y or N in the box? Yes or no? So I helped Kevin fix that problem so people didn't do that to him as often. When they promised him 30 minutes and he got there, he had 30 minutes. And that's important, guys, because we close the call to action 
is at the end of the presentation. If you're planning an hour and then they only give you 30 minutes, you just got boxed out of your own clothes. How effective are you going to be? So I think that, uh, that uh, presenters who have no perceived value or little perceived value and they're giving free presentations are the easiest to push around. And we're gonna change that with you. We have to change that. It's the only way that you can have a better year next year. So a free presentation from a stranger who begged for the time is the easiest thing to cancel. And so what I want you to do is establish a perceived value that is so high that you are the last thing someone would cancel, even on the busiest of days. They would say, no, I gotta see Michael today. What he told me he's going to do for me is so cool. I'm going to have him come, right? So by placing this premium value, these good things kind of happen. So uh, if you don't fix this problem, this premium value problem, you are destined to continually waste your time delivering presentations to apathetic and uncaring audiences. Worse, the relentless presentation schedule that you're on right now will cause you to burn out. I mean, you absolutely will burn out. Fix this problem, however, and you will be amazed at how many people follow you as a leader and uh, buy your stuff and move your career forward. It's an amazing thing. So if you present for a living, you need to increase the perceived value of your presentations. Another cool thing to write down. If you present, you need to increase the perceived value of your presentations. Now, I'm going to tell you about a case study, a success story. Russell Luce is an investment advisor in Chicago, and he works in a highly regulated industry where it can be very difficult to differentiate yourself from the competition. You might know the kind of um, uh, person that I'm talking about. And before we started working together, Russell was jumping through hoops, uh, jumping in the car, trying to deal with Chicago traffic any time of the day or night if someone wanted to meet with him. And I showed Russell how to place a premium value on his time and expertise and showed him a system that only had a meeting with people who were ready to do business with him. Russell reported that working with me helped increase his book of business 220% in one year. That is a success story. And Russell said that the extra money's nice, but here's my favorite part of the story. Russell and his wife have three boys and two of them are developmentally disabled. He says that he's been able to use his new presentation strategies to make deeper connections with his family. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Because if you can become a better communicator at work, everybody, you are going to become a better communicator at home. I'm taking questions. I'm interested in your comments. Tell me, tell me if this is mildly interesting to you. Tell me if you're getting something out of this content. Now, before we move on, yeah, why your ends is good. Before we move on to the new way of presenting, the, the way that I want you to move toward, I need you to appreciate the problems with the old way, right? Uh, thank you, Yvonne. I'm glad you're motivated. Renee, thank you. So let's talk about the bullet points. I want you to create a quick bullet point listing in your notes of th the things that represent the old ineffective way of doing presentations. Now, please, everybody, I am not picking on you, right? If you do any of these things, it's okay, right? 
Clarity is the first step to solving problems. If you do any of these things, it's okay, but we got to change it, right? You will never be uber successful at selling, at presenting, at speaking, if you, if you have any of these things on your bullet list, right? First one, artificial pretense. We talked a little bit about that earlier, that you're not smiling, you know, telling everybody you're pleased to be there, right? But you're really not. This fakey thing that we do when we're, when we're uh, doing presentations, it's got to stop. Hokey, audio-visual aids is the second one. Third one, cliched content, right? You telling me a joke that you received in an email, guess what? I received that joke in an email too, four years ago. Your, your content's not fresh anymore, right? You need some original stuff. How about this? Meaningless bullet points, right? Pap, pablum, stuff that everybody already knows. If you can't tell me something I don't already know, the value of your presentation goes down. You right? Am I, am I right? Um, generic advice, right? Stuff you can find in Wikipedia in the first three sentences, right? I mean, are your eyes rolling yet? Corny icebreakers. My, my, my favorite, um, uh, least favorite one right now is when people say, good morning, and they get like this lame response, and they go, oh, you can do better than that. Good morning, and then it's a little bit louder, and then they do it a third time, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, if I ever hear that, if I hear that again, I'm going to have to, you know. So here I am, changing, changing, changing present presenters one at a time across the world, except Hawaii. Uh, how about lame graphics? We put up a slide that doesn't mean anything. I mean, you could take the slide out and it wouldn't change your presentation a whip. In fact, it would probably improve your presentation to take this slide out, but you put it in anyway. Hand-me-down humor, cheesy videos, videos that won't play. That's another one of my favorites. And uncomfortable role-playing, right? Where the, the speaker has you high-fiving people in the audience and stuff, and it's so fake, and I, it's just not my thing. This is the kind of crap, ladies and gentlemen, no disrespect. <laughs> this is the kind of crap that gives presenters a bad name. I mean, I'm serious. If you do any of these things, people tune out, and it is almost impossible for you to get their attention again. You will never command the room. You will never close and get the kind of, uh, buy-in that you need from your presentations if you're doing any of these things. So let me tell you the better way, the new way of doing things. This is the way to crush your presentations. And it's a simple four-step process. So we're getting ready to write again. Um, and, and this thing I'm about to show you will help you customize your presentations in real time, right? Cut. Think about this now. You're going to, instead of coming in with a the, the regular 56-slide PowerPoint presentation, you're going to customize your presentation in real time. Can you get your head around this? This is an amazing little technique that I'm about to show you. And uh, establish deep connections with your audience, not fake artificial connections, deep connections, and make things happen, right? And you're gonna do this in real time. Now, I've named this technique the reverse presentation the reverse presentation. And uh, there's not enough time in this program to give you all the details of it, but I'm going to give you a real good sense of it. You'll understand exactly what to do from what I'm about to say. So keep writing. So to give powerful presentations, you want to focus on the information you get, uh, stop focusing, sorry, on the information you give, right, the 56 slides, and start focusing on the information you collect. You're collecting information at two 
major junctures or major moments in the presentation. The first is before you actually begin your presentation, you're going to get the other person to present to you. I call this the interview. And you're going to get the other person to open up about with easy questions first, like how long have you been in the industry? How long have you been at this location? How long have you been in this position with your company? How are things going? Uh, what are your biggest challenges? Who are you currently working with? You see how I'm just like kind of, the questions are getting a little bit more uh, defined. So that's the first uh, moment where you're collecting massive amounts of information and you're collecting the information verbally, but they're also, if you're in front of them, they're showing you non-verbally they're communicating with you. And the non-verbal signals are even more important than the verbal. Because the verbal, sometimes people fib. I don't know how to break this to you, but sometimes people fib. Some of you are writing this down, aren't you? <gasps> people fib. <gasps> Gasp. And it's true. But body language never fibs. So you're watching the non-verbals, right? Very important. And the second moments that you receive and collect a lot of information is when you're actually presenting and you're getting the nonverbals back from them, right? Body shifting. When do they cross their arms? When do they uncross their arms? Are they smiling? How many people are, are still holding their pens even though they stopped writing? What does that mean? Who just looked at his watch? Did you hear some keys jangle? All this stuff means something, right? And it all goes into the blender as you are adjusting in real time to craft this highly specialized, highly customized presentation. This is gonna change everything about how you roll people. And I'm just so happy you're on the call today. This is, this is very few people know how to do this. So uh, to give powerful presentations like this, you want to focus on what the other person is saying, right? 95% of what, what's important is what the other person is saying, not what you're saying. You're, um, and my secret sauce for this is a four-step sequence. So here we go. Uh, you're going to use a special strategy, right? Something I call advanced rapport. Write that down. Advanced rapport. So I don't have rapport as a result of my presentation. I establish rapport prior to my presentation in many cases. before I begin my formal presentation, the advanced report occurs. Number two of the four-step sequence. Then I employ something I call cognitive empathy. Cognitive empathy, sometimes referred to as strategic empathy, to get the audience thinking. See, empathy is about feeling, but cognitive and strategy is about thinking, right? Most buy-ins, are done on an emotional level. Even if you're selling something very expensive, it's done, people buy on emotion. So when you marry emotion to thinking, heart and head together, you get this thing called cognitive empathy and it's very, very powerful. Number three, you're gonna use something that behavioral psychologists refer to as communication congruency. Communication congruency is really cool because now you're marrying what the audience is thinking to the benefits of your message. The benefits that you're selling are emotional. Again, it's that marrying of the heart and head. And lastly, you're going to use a unique form of signaling, right? 
signaling to know just the right time to issue your call to action, which we've said before, the CTA is at the end of the presentation almost always. But if you get really good at this, you can seed your CTA, S-E-E-D, throughout the presentation. So here's how one of my clients put this secret recipe to work in a big way. This is case study number two, right? Remember the first one was Russell Luce in the financial services industry. Case study number two is how a woman who was a client of mine, uh, was teaching her presentation skills, she used the reverse presentation technique to save her entire company, not just the sale, her entire company. Bridget Gruel is a packaging consultant here in Michigan, and she came to me at a crucial stage during her company's development. Bridget and her account representatives either had to close some new business real fast or they had to close their doors. And I showed Bridget and her team how to do the reverse presentation uh, and they closed $2.5 million worth of business within 90 days. And that's a testimonial. Uh, she sent it back to me in an email. Now, a year later, I asked Bridget, how are things going? Because I, I knew that there was probably more success after the 90 days. And she said, yeah. Uh, a year later, she said that the total new money brought in uh, using this technique was over $4 million all through the power of presentation. And that just made me so happy to be able to lodge a success for not only Bridget, but her entire company. So this stuff absolutely works, guys. And that's why I'm so excited that you're on the call today and that you're writing these things down and you're committed to trying them, right? And taking things to a new level. So let's do a quick recap of what we've learned so far about what it takes to be powerful and effective presenter. Let me get a quick drink of water. And we'll, uh, we'll wrap up here short, shortly and I'll do some Q&A. So uh, first is that um, um, shift number one, and, and then by the way, there's a playback. If you have to skip off, you have to leave, there's a playback. Uh, there will be a playback link on this and I'll try to get it out to the chamber so they can post it. So shift number one states that excellence must be your standard. We're going to say goodbye to mediocrity in your presentation. Remember you took the Michelangelo Caruso pledge, right? We have witnesses. Shift number two, you're gonna place a premium value on your time and expertise. You're only gonna spend time with people who are ready for your message. We agree to that. Shift number three, you're gonna use my secret recipe to start focusing on what your audience is saying to you so that you can customize your presentations in real time. And number, uh, now we're gonna move on to what many people think is the essence of the presentation. This is shift number four but it is not the essence of your presentation. And I'm talking about your slides, right? I want you to stop being chained to your slide deck. Most speakers make the slideshow the center of their presentation, but slides are actually the devil. <laughs> That's my tweet. If you're on Twitter, yeah. Slides are the devil. Your slides are the devil. Michelangelo Caruso. Um, slides are actually the least important part of your talk, and I can prove it to you. Statistics show that presenters spend up to 90% of their presentation time preparing slide templates, verbiage on the slides, graphics, colors, font sizes, for the love of God, people. None of that effort is critical to your success, and, success, and I can prove it. Let me ask you a question. 
when people rave about the top presenters, you've heard names, you've heard people say he's really good, right? Are they ever raving about the PowerPoint presentation? No, never. They're always talking about the speaker, the originality, the way the content is delivered, the personality of the presenter, right? It's never about slide 26, come on. And yet that's what we're spending all of our time on, that damn slide 26. So this is why uh, shift number four is to stop being chained to the slide deck. And then uh, my final case study for you today, case, number, uh, case study number three, this is my favorite because it in, uh, demonstrates how effective, presenting, how effective presenting can be when we get away from the pretense of podiums, PowerPoint, and projectors. Rodney Charbonneau is the coach of the female basketball team. The team wasn't doing well at all. And Rodney contacted me to see if my presentation coaching might help. He had tried everything else. Apparently, the girls couldn't play basketball very well, or there were other problems. I don't know. So uh, I helped Rodney. I, I, I actually gave him my uh, course content. I taught it to him. And then he taught it to his team. And here's what he wrote back to me in an email. Quote, well, we didn't spend a minute teaching the players about speaking mechanics like articulation and elocution. In other words, he didn't spend any time teaching them what I taught him about speak, because I do that, right? I, I teach you the mechanics and I teach you elocution and I teach you what, you know, how to say stuff and what to say. But he says, we didn't give them a formal presentation with all the trappings of a boardroom. Instead, we taught them techniques to improve their confidence and self-concepts. So we're back to mindset, ladies and gentlemen. It turns out that confidence is not only critical to success when presenting, it's also necessary for winning basketball games, end quote. Rodney's players began to believe in themselves and they won the league championship three years in a row. How about that? I was so happy to see that. So it's pretty cool. So the uh, last shift I want to share with you today of the five shifts is to uh, get some help, everybody. Invest in coaching. We all know that top business executives, actors, and athletes have coaches. Any presenter can work alone to make gradual improvement over 20 or 30 years. This is the long, arduous time frame that we refer to as a career. But it's also called the curse of gradual improvement. I blogged about this recently because anyone who chooses gradual improvement opts out of quantum improvement, right? Anybody who chooses gradual improvement opts out of fast improvement. And that's what I want for you. That's how I teach people to get better. I don't retain you for out, you know, months and months at a time. I have a program. It begins and it ends. And when the program ends, you have everything that you need, man. It's amazing how fast we work. It's immersion training, really. So um, why limit yourself to improving in small ways over two or three decades when you can improve with a coach now and enjoy dramatic improvement and be rewarded, rewarded right away and for years to come? That's the general idea. As we said earlier, the ability to deliver amazing presentations is the most important business skill you can ever attain. People who present want to get promoted faster, get raises more frequently. They also want to come into better opportunities. So guess who can help you do this? Remember, if you could have done this yourself, you would have done it already, right? That's no dig against you. But a coach, someone who's actually done this before, a mentor or a coach can help you. 
trying to get ahead without the proper training is crazy. I've spent about $100,000 on training and coaching in my lifetime. And every time it was a big decision, I am much better uh, ahead, much further ahead in life because of it. I love having a coach because a, there's a cognitive bias that psychologists call blindside bias. Have you heard of it? Write it down and you can Google it. Blindside bias. By definition, <laughs> you can't see your own blind spots. Isn't that delicious? By definition, you can't see your own blind spots. But a coach sees them instantly and helps you quickly work past them. So don't go it alone. Find the best mentor out there who truly understands your situation and work with that person. Let's review what we've covered today and then I'll do questions. So number one, uh, I promise to help you stop wasting your time, energy, and resources on the drudgery of presentations. We've talked about how to convert your talks into efficient, effective, and entertaining platforms. We've covered how to respectfully command attention and establish yourself as a recognized expert and a trusted authority, all without a PhD, a master's, or even a college degree. We also talked about how to use your newfound speaking expertise to get promoted, earn sales, uh, earn more in sales commissions, and get more paid speaking gigs, if that's what you want to do, and advance your career. I showed you a step-by-step -step strategy that gets uh, people to take action. Remember the four steps? just by talking to them for a few minutes. And I showed you how to do all of this, even if you hate presenting, right? Because that wasn't one of the criteria that you love it. Have limited experience, struggle with nerves or anxiety, or have had issues with any aspect of presenting in the past. I also told you about the five necessary shifts you need to make in order to, to deliver amazing presentations. Let's do the shifts one more time. Number one, make excellence your personal standard. Number two, Put a premium value on your time and expertise. Number three, use my secret recipe, the reverse presentation. Number four, stop being chained to your slide deck. Number five, invest in coaching. Get a mentor. These five steps will absolutely transform your presentations, move you forward, and dramatically improve the quality of your life. I have success stories. Told you about three of them today. And now that you know they are available to you, you have a choice. That's right. We're at the proverbial fork in the road, everybody. <laughs> you can continue to struggle when giving presentations, spending way too much time preparing the wrong stuff, keeping less than stellar feedback, uh, getting less than stellar feedback, and not doing what's best for you, your team, or even your family. Uh, you can keep doing battle with the negative emotions of giving presentations like the intimidation, embarrassment, power, powerless feelings. You can keep watching less talented colleagues pass you by as they advance their careers. Or you can decide enough is enough and finally take action to better your life. If that's what you want, I have something for you right now. Scott wants to hear shift number three again. This was my secret recipe, Scott. This was the reverse presentation where you're getting the other person to communicate scads of information with you before you launch into your formal presentation. Because then when you hear what's important to them, you can recapitulate. You actually use the same words they use when you're giving your presentation. You understand? That's key. So here's what I have for you, everybody. I've set aside in the next 48 hours time to speak with you personally about how you can quickly and dramatically improve your presentations. 
uh, and get rewarded for it starting right away. I mean, tomorrow. Like if, if we have this talk tomorrow, you start getting rewarded the next day, right? That's how fast my stuff works. But I don't know your personal situation. This was a group call. I need time with you alone. It's just an hour. And uh, whatever your biggest challenges are as a presenter, I can promise you that I've seen them. I am 100% confident that I can help you. Uh, on this breakthrough call, and I'll tell you how to register for this in just a minute, it'll just be you and me identifying ways to move you forward and so that you can finally use your presentations to get ahead in life. I mean, next year, we're at the end of an interesting year this year. The economy's been pretty good for most people. Some say that won't last forever. But if you're ready to take things to the next level next year, uh, I promise you that we can get that done. Um, if I will give you absolute clarity on not only what you need to do, but how to quickly present, uh, create a presentation skill set that is essential to your success. Now, you're wondering what is the cost of this call? <laughs> Nothing. It's free. Uh, you can thank your local chamber for that in part, right? They, they, they cut a good deal for you. Um, but this offer is not for everybody. You must have a few things. I want you to write these down because if you get on this call with me and you don't have these things, I'm going to give you a spanking. <laughs> so ready? You must have uh, knowledge that solves a major life problem, a major life or business problem. You've got to have the goods. Remember I talked about this earlier. You've got to be good at what you do. And whatever problem you solve, it's got to require a behavioral shift from your audience. Don't get on the phone with me if you're just delivering a presentation about, you know, information. You've got to have a call to action and so we can measure our results, right? Um, second, you must be outstanding at what you do. And, and you know, uh, I'm not going to check the numbers on this. If you tell me you're really good at what you do, I trust you. And number three, you must hold yourself accountable to the highest standards of excellence and service. If, you know, if I'm going to be involved with you, I'm going to hit a home run. I don't want to hit a single. I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I'm, I'm a home run guy. And that's what I'm about with my results. So you must be these three things, write them down, coachable, decisive, and resourceful. Coachable, decisive, and resourceful. If you're those three things, I tell you those three things because all of my successful clients have those characteristics. That's how I know that's what you need. They taught me that. So if that's you, if we're talking about you, you can book your session now. Now you might be asking why I'm doing free consultations, right? There are dozens and dozens and dozens of people registered for this call. Uh, and I guess there are two reasons why I would do this, uh, this free call for you. Uh, I like your chamber and I want to support your chamber. I, that's, that goes without saying. But I do this because I love giving back. I, uh, the industry has given me so much. I'm at a stage in my career now where uh, I really appreciate the people that opened doors for me early on, my early mentors that taught me tricks about speaking that I use to this day, right? And so I want to pay it forward. So that's important to me. And number two, I've always had a teacher stripe. Ever since I uh, gave trumpet and bass guitar lessons back in the day, some of you know I came up through the music business my band in the 80s opened for Corey Hart, Rick Springfield, Joan Jett, people like that. And I just love helping people. I love turn on, turning on light bulbs. So even today, my keynote speeches are both entertaining and educational. So I love teaching, and this is, this is fun for me. Like I told you, excuse me, I'm interrupting my vacation to do it. So I must love it, right? 
And then finally, I know that you might want some help transforming your presentation skills. And if that's so, we can discuss that and see if it's a good fit for both of us. That would be fine too. So here's the link that you need to use to get this free consult. Uh, there are no strings, everybody. If you know me, you know I shoot straight. It's simple, www.michaelangelocaruso.com forward slash talk. And I'll type it into the box here in a second. www.michaelangelocaruso.com. Actually, Renee, uh, could I enlist you to type that into the chat box so people can just copy paste it? www.michaelangelocaruso.com forward slash talk. Now, when you uh, go there, you'll be taken to a um, calendar and then you get asked a few questions, quick questions, and uh, then we're good, right? And the, the window's only out for like 48 hours or so. Uh, so let's do this quickly and get it done before you forget about it and go on to other things. Uh, if you're serious about change, you'll make time for this. And then I can help you and then you can move forward. How's that sound? So we're going to open it up for questions, guys, to talk about anything you want to talk about. I'm delighted to share with you um, more about any aspect of the um, webinar itself or something that uh, we didn't cover that I promised to cover. Let's make sure that we do that. Or something, just a stray question about anything. I'm, I'm happy to help, help you to serve. I can only stand for a few minutes and I've got to get on a, a coaching call with another client. Thank you, Scott. Glad you could be on today. Fabulous. I kept people a bit longer than they might have thought I was going to keep them. So maybe there's going to be a mass exodus here, which would be fine. You all know how to reach me on social, right? And I have a present like a pro Facebook page that you can join. It's free. Present like a pro. Uh, if you just search Facebook, you can find it pretty easily. It's, it's easy to find. And uh, when you're admitted to the group, you're going to get some strategies and some uh, encouragement. Any questions or comments before I go? And we can uh, uh, get those done. And I can get you on to your Monday. Thank you, David. Thank you, Christina. Wendy, David, thank you very much. Hope it was useful, sir. David Underwood checking out. So many cool people on the call today and so many interesting occupations. Yvonne, thank you. Lauren Bess, thank you very much. If you want to give some feedback to your chamber or uh, tweet or mention it on Facebook, I'm friends with some of you on Facebook, you want to give a shout out, that would be fabulous. I appreciate it. It's like I'm in a wedding reception line. Everybody's coming through with gifts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> All right, in absence of any questions or concerns, we're going to sign off. Get your free breakthrough call, no strings attached, at www.michelangelocaruso.com forward slash talk. Thanks, everybody, very, very much for being on the call, and here's to your improved presentations. Cheers. <laughs>